Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live the First Amendment and Free Speech podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. organizes this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. When you look back in the past at your actions, do you ever sometimes think, in that case, in that situation, in that event, in that circumstance, I did some things right and some things wrong? I do. I had a freedom of speech case. And I look back, and this was in 2003, so that was 17 years ago almost now, and I realized I did some things right and some things wrong. What I did right was affirming the First Amendment and fighting for my rights. The part I did wrong was something I don't do anymore, was picketing liquor shops. I don't picket that much anymore, if at all. I haven't picketed anything for a long time. I don't object to picketing in principle. In fact, I think it's great. I just become more choosy. In fact, lots of people told me in my younger years to pick and choose my battles, and I saw the wisdom of that. Furthermore, I'm doing other things and finding other things more effective for achieving my goals. All these motivational speakers say you got to be proactive. And oftentimes, picketing is not proactive. By definition, it's almost reactive in nature. It still has its place. Sometimes you got to fight things in life. And the wisest, most noble people who ever lived have done that, including the founders of this nation. Also, I don't target liquor shops. I find that being a prohibitionist is often preachy at a psychological level, so... In order to get better human relations and do the right thing, I stopped doing that. Now, it didn't necessarily lead to any grand circumstances, grand rewards. It didn't automatically put forward my popularity to high extents. It did make my interactions a tad more peaceful and harmonious. And I feel a little more inner peace. Inner peace isn't my top goal. It's a consolation prize, but I guess a consolation prize is better than nothing at all. Given that, when this happened, over a period of months, I was protesting all these liquor stores in Mankato, Minnesota. A lot of these places were uneventful. One time someone pushed me into the street. One time a guy threatened me. In this case, they called in the cops. And the cops said it was disorderly conduct. I didn't touch anybody. I didn't... I barely talked to anybody. I stayed on the sidewalk. I did everything I could to make sure I was following the law and being within my rights still. They arrested me and put me on trial. Fortunately, I won. So what happened in this case? This case affirmed some principles. I won round one. I was charged with a misdemeanor, so I didn't want to face a misdemeanor, so I said jury trial. Not guilty, jury trial. And they didn't want to go to trial. From what I've read and heard and experienced, it's a pain in the rear for them to have a trial. So 
they often negotiate. And in my case, they did. And they said, okay, we'll have a judge trial and we'll make this a petty misdemeanor, which is the equivalent of a traffic ticket, more or less. So I won round one, and that took a lot of burden on my back because in the event I would have been found guilty, that would have been on my record. I would have gone to a probation officer. And as one of my friends said, probation officers are for people who, who hit people, do violent crimes, not for someone standing on the street picketing a store. Indeed, that would have been absurd. That would have been really boring sessions. I was going to grad school at the time, so I was focused on that. So I would have told the probation officer, yep, doing grad school, working on my thesis. I prepared for the trial using the book Defend Yourself in Court by Nolo. This book was geared towards small claims court but I used it for criminal court. And it helped me. It helped me prepare, it helped me think about the trial. And it helped me win ultimately. So thank you, Nolo. I would like to read you some of what happened in the case. Now, there were some people who said I was calling people, fetal alcohol babies. And on cross-examination, I said, I did not call anybody that. And they didn't have anybody there who who testified for that. For some reason, they didn't bring in any of the people on the street who were witnesses, even the girl who reported me, who talked to the police and said I called fetal alcohol babies. They didn't have the liquor store owners testify they had only two of the cops testify. One of the cops even told me, I don't need a warrant. When I said, do you have a warrant? He said, I don't need one. Yes, you do. The Constitution is eternal. The convenience of a cop is ephemeral. So I believe the Constitution should trump the convenience of a cop. He didn't testify. So they had two officers testify. And I had to object to heresy right and left. The case number was T8034176. If you're lucky, I may sell this transcript to you, but I'd like to discuss some of the highlights of this here. They didn't let me say much of what I wanted during the trial, but I did have a closing statement. I started out and then he cut me off and said, speak to the law and the statute. statute. So this is how I continue. There are two components of this case, the facts and the application of the law, how the officers, the judge cut me off, use the law, the facts, I do not believe they prove beyond a reasonable doubt. A reasonable doubt, they have to prove beyond. They have a, to do a big job. I believe there's plenty of doubt today. Not even the owners of the bar were able to testify. Christina McDonald was not able to testify. They were able to find no independent witnesses. I also testified I did not call her a fetal alcohol baby. I like to address the law. I examine this law. I believe this law is very subjective, vague, end quote. A lot of the court decisions in regards to disorderly conduct laws 
deal with the fact that they're often vague and some of the appeals decisions that I read said a law had to be void for vagueness and oftentimes they this disorderly conducts laws were very vague in how they were used. And as some of my friends and I noticed that oftentimes it's just a tool of the cops. One of my friends said they use disorderly conduct when they can't find anything else for you. And I thought about that and I observed that too. It seems like if they really had something to get you, couldn't they get you for assault if you punch somebody? I didn't punch anybody, so they couldn't get me for assault. If you stole something, they could get you for theft. If you broke something, they could get you for damaging property. So what's this disorderly conduct stuff? I continue. Quote, Additionally, I read some Court of Appeals decisions, which in one case there was a defendant who called lots of obscene names to police officers but the Court of Appeals in Minnesota ruled there was no imminent physical harm. None of the officers testified I called them a C names or threatened them. Furthermore, we have to specify what we are referring to as harass, abuse, offensive, disturb, reasonably, alarm, all these, all these are very subjective words, end quote. The law in question, this orderly conduct statute that I was charged under, said you had to harass, abuse, offend, disturb, reasonably, alarm. And like I mentioned, the Court of Appeals decision grappled with the subjectivity and vagueness of those terms. I continue, quote, The Supreme Court ruled they cannot use these laws for to combat rudeness or for social engineering. Even if I did call her that, that could be considered rudeness because they testify that I did not prevent traffic flow. I did not prevent customers from entering the shop. Also, social engineering is very something to look out for. They're afraid some people like Joseph Lakers are going to use the police to get somebody for doing perfectly legal behavior. That is, of course, not right. There's nothing in what I did or what I said which would lead someone to provoke physical imminent harm. And that's a key phrase they rules, imminent physical harm. Even though I did say what they said, which is seriously questionable, I also believe that's very sad. Very sad, cynical view some of us have about the police and disorderly conduct. There's that view that they, use, they just use disorderly conduct because they can't find something else to throw on you. That is... That is an inherent problem of the law, as vague as our disorderly conduct law is. Furthermore, I'd like to address not talking to police. There's nowhere in the law that says which you says you have to talk to police or even have to identify yourself. End quote. This is what the NOLO book and other sources such as the ACLU noted. I continue. Quote. Why didn't I talk to police? Number one, I believe rights are intrinsically rewarding to assert. I believe our constitutional rights. Thus, even if I have bad reasons for not talking to police, even if I'm international, I don't have to do it. I have good reason. I've had lots of bad experiences. Furthermore, I'm aware of my rights. I realize my rights are very important. I'm doing my part to make sure these rights are preserved for everyone. End quote. Now, I'd like to read the decision. The judge wasn't nice to me so much and he seemed very irritated at the least with me. Still, his decision affirmed my right to do what I did. He couldn't find any fault in my activity. The judge says, quote, Okay, thank you. All right, as I have already indicated, the statute compels proof that the defendant engaged in offensive, abusive, boisterous conduct or in fighting words if it's language that reasonably tends to arouse, alarm, anger, or resentment in others. The proof I have that Mr. 
Bouchard was picketing at Joseph Laker on the particular day in question. During the time he was picketing, I'm not sure if he was standing in the doorway, if he was standing on the sidewalk, if he was standing in the street. End quote. I like to address that. I was doing the standing on the sidewalk thing. I wasn't blocking anything. I, I knew very well what you're allowed in general to do for picketing, so I made sure I did that. He continues, quote, He was there. When the officers came, they saw him on the sidewalk, but no one could testify with accuracy as to whether he was on the city portion of the sidewalk, that's in the right of way, a.k.a. Boulevard, or if he was on Joseph Licker's private property. He obviously upset the Josephs, but that's true for every business owner that's picketed, and I don't think the statute in question rises to the level of preventing a person from picketing as long as they aren't doing something else that's improper. As far as the comment made to McDonald that was conveyed, it's denied that it was said, so that creates some doubt as to whether it's said. And frankly, even if it was, I'm not sure it rises to the level of fighting words. At least that's not a common phrase one expects to hear as fighting words, unless, of course, you happen to be someone who is a fetal alcohol affected person, and therefore it would be personally and uniquely insulting. But I don't know that. Bottom line is Mr. Bouchard is doing what I think the Constitution permits. He was being a pain in the butt from the perspective of the Joseph people, but I don't think he violated the law in question. Gentleman and lady, so I find him not guilty. You're excused. End quote. Hooray, hooray. I was thrilled with this outcome. I celebrated. I rejoiced. I was glad even when the trial happened because I like opportunities to affirm your rights. And I like trials. In another life, I could have been a lawyer, but as such goes, I'm more into doing it what Nolo calls the self-help way. Have you ever had a situation in life in which you agree with part of what you did and later found out part wasn't right? The affirming the First Amendment part was right. I no longer support the prohibition of alcohol, so that part was wrong. So I'm, I look back at this on fondness and proudness. And I won this case. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Have you ever won a case? Share it with me. I'd love to hear it, particularly if it involves the First Amendment. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, freedom of petition for the redress of grievances. Let me know. How will you advance freedom of speech, the First Amendment, and third parties today? Long live the First Amendment and free speech. Goodbye.